Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick, alongside my man Carlo Kellum, coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon for everything in the world of sports. Our previous show was about the fight game and, you know, mixed martial arts and and boxing specifically. On this show, from 10 until noon, we cover everything in the world of sports. We're both NBA fans. This is Derby weekend, so we're certainly going to talk about <laughs> Derby. Uh, what else is going on out there? I mean, the, the hell, the the Donald Sterling fiasco. There's so much to talk about out there. Like the, I said, got the, from the playoffs to horse racing, the, the NFL, it's, it's a lot going on right now. There really is. I mean, I'm looking over my notes here, and I don't really even need notes today. I'm such a so you know involved in so many storylines in the NBA specifically, um, and that doesn't even begin to tap into the. Kentucky Derby that we saw the favorite run away with the California Chrome yesterday yeah, dominated. Yeah, that and the, what about the events leading up to it? I had a chance to go to the, the Mint Julep and the Unbridled on Friday. Had a chance to chop it up with a few celebrities. Donald Driver being one former Green Bay champion, uh, Green Bay Packer and uh, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Chris Cante from the Baltimore Ravens. He actually showed me his Super Bowl ring. I got a picture of that, Kelly. If you didn't get a chance to uh, check it out yet. Oh yeah. But a lot of great stars and celebrities on hand. Even Luke Hancock was out. Even uh, Steven Van Treese, I heard, made an appearance. Yeah, Van Treese is out. Yeah, He's a big celebrity nationally. <laughs> the guys were sharp, though, man. It was a great, great, great event Friday night leading up to the, in, into the Kentucky Derby. I had a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of, had a chance to meet one of my favorite stars of all time. The reason why I'm a UK fan. That's and right. He agreed to come on this radio show and be one of our special guests here in the next couple of weeks. You get his phone number? Yes, I did. Kenny Skywalker. He actually does a show in Lexington on 590, uh, but he's excited and he, he likes what we're doing here in Louisville and he can't wait to join the show. He's the reason why I'm a Kentucky fan. Is he? Kenny Skywalker. When I first saw, when I first noticed basketball, I was watching Kentucky and Louisville and I saw Kenny Skywalker dunking all over Louisville and I was like, hey, I'm a Kentucky fan. That's when it all started. I actually told him that story. Did you? <laughs> You also got to see some other celebrities. Didn't you see Warren Moon again? Yeah, Warren Moon. You see uh, him every year, though. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's there. He's a, he's a regular. I had, I had a chance to interview him last year. I didn't this year. Rashawn actually had a chance to interview him this year and got some uh, some great words and wisdom from the former great Hall of Fame quarterback. Kenny Skywalker. I'm looking over his Wikipedia page right now. It says he played, obviously, for Kentucky. Played for the Knicks, slam, slam dunk champion. Yep. How many Louisville players can say they won the, the slam dunk championship? None of them. Quite impressive. No. I mean, there's no denying it. That's a, a significant thing. He played from 86 through 91 for the Knicks. Fifth overall pick in 1986 out of Kentucky. From Georgia originally. Clearly still making a home here, you know. Yeah, maybe being, he's being a le- legendary. Yeah. yeah. Why not? You know, you're a, you're a legend. You walk around in Lexington. Everybody's going to know who you are and respect you. It doesn't hurt that you're 6'8". But if you won the dunk contest, you turn people into Kentucky fans. I mean, he'll always have a place. He could, he, he should be selling insurance or something. <laughs> I also had a chance to meet Mark Sanchez. He was at the Unbridled really? table. Yeah, I had a chance to talk to him. He's excited about the uh, upcoming season for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he thinks he has a chance to be the starter. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. he said he, has a, he, wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have went there if he didn't feel like he had an opportunity. Wow. Who's he competing with? Obviously Foles. There's yeah, no, no more Vic. And his back, former backup at UC, at, uh, I, said, I was about to say Matt UCLA. Barclay. Oh, wow. Yeah, USC, Matt USC. Barkley. Yeah, so that's uh, he, he feels he has a good chance there. That's why he he decided to go there and uh, and make that at home and start over. I don't care if he never starts a game 
for the rest of his career. Mark Sanchez hasn't made. He's the type of guy who will be on rosters for years, right? Well, he has experience. And, and he's, he's a celebrity. And he's won in the playoffs. So he's taken the, we took the Jets to, what, two AFC championship games? So, I mean, That's he has true. some experience. That's true. Why wouldn't you want him on your team? Yeah. I mean, and get he, him in the right system. He can flourish. You see what Alex Smith did and, uh, under the tutelage of uh, Harbaugh. You know, he turned him back. And even now under uh, at, at Kansas City, he's all-star quarterback. And I, I think Mark Sanchez is better than Alex Smith. Do you? Yeah. Just because you met him yesterday? I mean, Friday? <laughs> no, he was a pretty cool guy. I, mean, I think he was there with his sister or somebody. So he, he would, I, I figured he'd be a show-off of some sort, but he was really cool laid back, man. Not like that at all. Not like the media portrays him to be. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Got a great show lined up today. 10.30 a.m., we're going to get my man, Mo Egger, of 700 WLW and 15.30 ESPN in Cincinnati to join us. Uh, 10.30, he'll, he'll be on to talk specifically. He's a Reds guy and Bengals guy, so, I mean, I could have a field day with a, a guest like this, being a both Reds and Bengals fan. But I, I'm going to be talking to him specifically about a tweet I saw him send out yesterday that, that had a, a story linking the possibility of – our very own Teddy Bridgewater falling to the 24th pick, which is seems very feasible now. And the Cincinnati Bengals possibly taking Teddy Bridgewater to come in and compete with Andy Dalton for the starting quarterback job there in Cincinnati. So we'll have Mo Egger of 1530 ESPN in Cincinnati. He also hosts a national show. So, I mean, we're, we're doing it big time today. Mo Egger, 1030. Get to talk about Teddy Bridgewater as a possibility to the Cincinnati Bengals. That would be huge. I mean, really. For the, I mean, Because of the fan bases uh, being that, so close? That would bring a lot of fans from Louisville. They'll make that trip to Cincinnati and become Bingo fans, I believe. I've, I would think so also. And I think it's a pretty good – it'd be a good situation for him. He's got A.J. Green. What else do you want? Yeah, A.J. Green, uh, Grisham is a tight end. So they, have, they, have, they have offensive weapons. I forgot the young rookie quarterback they had this past year. But uh, what was it? it? Quarterback? Uh, no, the uh, running back. He was a rookie this year. Giovanni Bernard. Yeah, Bernard. At a North Carolina yeah, Haitian he, guy. He's he had, a great had a receiver. solid year for, for, for a rookie. Great receiver out of the backfield. Almost a Darren Sproles-esque type little guy. Very fast. But, so. what, but, but can Marvin use, utilize him correctly if he gets him? They did just lose Jay Gruden. Yeah. I they mean, lost what? the offensive coordinator. He's the guy that's been making that offense run like a machine the last what five five six years or so. Yeah, uh, they lost the offense. They lost their offensive and deep. How often does that happen? Yeah. The Bengals have lost Mike Zimmer, the defensive coordinator now with Minnesota, and Jay Gruden, accepted a position as the head coach of of your Washington Redskins, I believe. Right? Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this this Bengals team who got put out in the first round yet again again. I mean that they're on the brink of he has to he has to win this year. If not, Marvin's out. Marvin Lewis is out of there. I would say he has to at least make it to the AFC Championship this year. I don't think winning just one playoff game will be enough for the Bengals uh, for him to save his job. He's going to have to really turn things around, and that's going to be a difficult thing to do, especially since he lost his defensive coordinator and his offensive coordinator. But if Teddy Bridgewater does fall to Cincinnati, I think that would be good a good place for him to be. He doesn't have to start right away. He can play right behind Dalton and or maybe battle battle him for that start position. Heck, I would say if he does get drafted by the Bengals, he may be starting midseason for the Bengals, just depending on uh, how bad and poorly Andy Dalton plays. And, you know, I was a believer in Andy Dalton for a long time, <clears throat> up until the, the playoff game. I, I, th- I really thought he was the future uh, of this Bengal team, but obviously – 
you know, the, the turnovers and interceptions, it, it, it might, he might not be the guy moving forward for the Bengals. I don't know. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought, I thought we went out there for a minute. No, we're, we're still uh, on, Carlo. Okay. As, as our listeners may have noticed, I'm Kelly Patrick. I'm actually— You're Kelly Patrick? I'm Kelly Patrick, right. but I'm answering the phones today. So I'm trying to run things there. I believe we have on the line with us, with no intro music, but we have our man, Carolina Steve. Carolina, are you there? Carolina, are you there? Yes, I am. Great, it worked, Carlo. I'm here. I did it. Good job, Kelly. Great. Sport. Kelly's on the ones and twos this evening, this after, this morning. Carl, uh, Carlo, and as I are coming. What do you got, Carolina? As far as y'all talking about Teddy Bridgewater, my favorite quarterback in the draft hasn't even hardly been mentioned, but the man has won two national championships. His uh, was a starting quarterback for one of the greatest college football teams I've ever seen is A.J. McCarron from Alabama. And I think that this man is going to be the surprise of the draft in the quarterback. I don't know. I mean, typically, who was the last Alabama quarterback who was successful in the NFL? I mean, they don't usually produce quarterbacks for the NFL level. The Jets guy, what's his name? Um, you know, the he celebrity. in Alabama. Yeah, the Jets guy who won Super Bowl two or whatever it was. Ah, I mean, that was fifty years no, ago. No, what's his name? Joe Namath. Joe Namath. Yeah, that was seventy five years ago. He was a great one. Who else? Carolina. Off the top of your head, can you name another Alabama quarterback to be successful in the NFL? Not that it really matters, but but who who would be at the Mark top of your R? Okay. Well, we're talking eighty years ago again. <laughs> I mean, it's, we went from seventy five years to eighty years ago. I mean, that's a long Both time ago. had connections to the greatest football coach ever, Coach Paul Bryant. And they just think, I mean, I've seen, I saw A.J. McCarron in person this year, and he showed more calm and more poise. Yes, they haven't had, but that Alabama had never had a uh, Heisman Trophy winner until a couple of years ago. But uh, it's just that uh, I think that, He's getting uh, short end of it now. I think his girlfriend today, has a better chance of being successful in the NFL than him. <laughs> now today is the day that I'm that I look forward to, other than Daytona and racing. We're going to run down in Talladega today. Oh yeah, okay. I missed that, Carolina. Fill our listeners in. Who's the favorite today? Who are you picking? Well. I got my number three on, so I guess I'm going with Ty Dillon. Okay. I'm it off. And the uh, thing is, now me and a guy got in a big argument yesterday on where the world's largest television is outdoors. Outdoors? It's Kentucky Derby. He says, he says it's down at Churchill Downs, and I disagree. Where is I it? I say it's Big Hoss at Texas. Uh, Speedway down in Grapevine, Texas. Okay. Interesting, man. That that that's talk- one that that's one that I just because uh, if, if that's the case and that is the largest, I guarantee you it'll only be second biggest in this state when Bruton decides to put one in at uh, Kentucky Speedway. That that big screen TV at Churchill Downs has gotten a lot of buzz this weekend. I mean, I, I've heard where people living anywhere close to Churchill Downs can just look out their door or look out their window and see it. I mean, that's a, a, a pretty big deal, especially when you consider I, the first big TV that jumps to my mind 
right? Carlo has to be the one inside the Dallas Cowboys stadium. Oh yeah, Jerry World. Yeah, but yeah. but that's in indoor, right? Yeah, I'm, and that's a little older now compared to the the new ones that have been built. Like it's the, only a the few one years Church old. In, yeah, it's about seven, six or seven years old now. Really? Yeah, it's a, I think I say it's about ten years old almost. What? Yeah. Wow. It's been that long. It's been open for a while. Carolina, did you watch the Derby yesterday? Yes, I did. I, I wore a little pool where I was, but my, I didn't have a uh, my horse didn't hit uh, hit the board. I was uh, pulling for Calvin Burrell there. I just thought something would with curl uh, right on Curlin. It was a great Derby. I enjoyed it, but I like I got in trouble with horse fans during one of the races. Do you do y'all remember the race where the three horses wiped out? Yeah, that was bad. That was a, a tough deal early. What, you know was what that I the first is, first race? Yeah, and luckily no uh, no serious injuries. Uh, they were all taken to the hospital immediately, and everybody's okay. So that's good to hear. Well, knowing what weekend that it was, Carlo. Uh, I had a wild a wild weekend. You should have came out and party with us on Friday night. Weekend. I said, there's the big one. But uh, I do like, uh saw all the stars that were in town. I thought Dr. J did a great job for Riders Up uh, and everything. And it's just, the only, my only regret was Uncle Si. They didn't have the Robertsons down here to cheer him on. I think if they'd had Willie and uh, Jace and... Uh, Jeff and uh, Phil, they might have stood a chance with them pulling them on, just to, just the way the Duck Dynasty's going. But uh, you had to admire the people who uh, own uh, Uncle Si. The wounded veterans uh, are sponsored uh, or affiliated with it. And what they do is they give a percentage of his winnings in every race to the uh, Wounded Warriors uh, Foundation. So, uh I think that's something that there was not enough attention paid to for this race. Well, Carolina, we appreciate you joining us again this Sunday morning. Look forward to having you call us next Sunday to break down some NASCAR. Have a great rest of your weekend. Okay. Well, next Sunday, I'll I'll be uh, calling y'all probably from uh, about even uh, with Blue Heaven and uh, Cameron Indoor. I'm going to the – Carolinas next weekend, but I do have the app on my cell phone, and I do have uh, my cell phone, so I will be calling y'all probably about the first 10 minutes of the uh, show. All right, thanks, Carolina. Appreciate you. We look forward to it, buddy. Have a great rest of your weekend, Carolina. Thank you. And you know what, Kelly? I'm not going to give Brandon Lawrence the satisfaction of correcting me because I know he's a Cowboys fan. The Dallas Stadium broke ground in 05, and it actually didn't open until 09, so I was kind of close. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you this, Carlo. You You were off a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> but that that's older than I was giving it credit for. I was in, you know, I'm always a victim to stuff like this. I, I was thinking it was only a couple years old. Yeah. It's 2014. Yeah, it's an old stadium now. It's five years old. You're it's, right. Yeah. I know Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Give him a call, 502-587-0041. He calls us at the very end of each weekend sports boat show on Sundays, and he corrects us for our factual inaccuracies. You may ask why? I'll tell you. Because Brandon J. Lawrence, where J, Carlo, J stands for? Justice. J stands for justice. So Brandon, he promotes the truth. He promotes fairness. And he calls in to make sure we're keeping things fair. He doesn't want us to sell short uh, his his Jerry, what do they call it? Jerry Jerry Jones Dome? 
Jerry's World. Jerry's World. <laughs> he doesn't want us to sell that short. Oh yeah, he'll take it highly offensive. That he's so, and he's a he's a real fan. He's been there probably 15, 20 times wow. since open. You know, he was just there for the. Uh, didn't they have the uh, NCAA there at the Final Four? Was didn't, that at Jerry's World? Yeah, it was at Jerry's World. Didn't yeah. they have an event right after it came out in two thousand nine where where uh, a punter punted it and hit the. Hit the yeah, hit the, the hit the screen. Yeah, didn't th- didn't turn out to be that big of an issue, did it? I think they had to raise it up a few more inches because it wasn't in regulation standards. If I'm not mistaken, I guess uh, Brandon will probably know more about that. He can fact check me on that later in the show if I'm wrong. But I think they had to raise it just a little bit, a little bit more. But it was too low during the time when the punters kept hitting it. Wow. Well, plenty of stuff to talk about today. Ten thirty, we have Mo Egger of fifteen thirty ESPN in Cincinnati. Later in the hour, probably 10.45 or 11, I know our man Brian the Insider is going to call in and talk to us about the results of yesterday's races and not just the Derby, but the significance overall of a, you know, a wise Dan victory. Um, and obviously the... My horse came in third. I picked Danza. Did you? Yeah. He was in the money. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he placed. Carlo and I are going to head to a break and we'll be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside my co-host Carlo Kellum. The Weekend Sports Buzz comes to you every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sunday from 10 until noon where we, we discuss everything in the world of sports, not just locally. That's something that we're kind of trying to carve out a niche as, Carlo, is that is that we not only talk about the Louisville-Kentucky rivalry. That's a rivalry? <laughs> I didn't know that it was a rivalry. It's a rivalry in you all's mind. Well, you don't even need to get into that, Carlo. All right, but we also we like to talk about the NFL and the NBA, and that's our our, our deal. I mean, there's Carolina calls in and updates us on the you know the world of horse racing. I'm sorry, the NASCAR. We have Brian the Insider for the world of horse racing, so we like to talk about all sorts of different sports. Uh, Carlo likes to occasionally even mix in some WWE action. Speaking of WWE, tonight's knew, ECW pay per view, Extreme Rules. Daniel Bryan versus the the Kane, the Destroyer. It's going to be a great event, Kelly. You're not going to want to miss it. Speaking of that, man, this past Thursday night to kick off uh, my Derby festivities, me and your buddy Eddie, we went to a local wrestling event, IWA uh, South Mid Regional Wrestling here in uh, Clarksville, Indiana. It was at the roller rink right off of Lynch Lynch Road, right off right next to Green Tree Mall. It was pretty exciting. I mean, it was at a rolling rink, but it was pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. What? At a rolling rink? At a rolling rink. How does that work? And they put a ring inside of the middle of the rink and with chairs around it. That's cool. <laughs> but it was hey, it was an exciting event. Eddie was was front row, man. He had to move a couple of times. A few of the wrestlers, wrestlers actually flew in his lap. I mean, it was blood everywhere. I mean, it, it was some it was some exciting stuff. Blood everywhere? Everywhere. And, and a few wrestlers actually flipped into Eddie, my buddy Eddie's lap. Yeah, I got a few pictures. Uh, I'll get those probably posted later this afternoon, so you can check those out. Wow. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, where J stands for justice. Give him a call at 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Brandon calls in right at about 1145 or 1150 each Sunday to correct Carlo and I's factual inaccuracies. We always do seem to have some. I'm sure there will be some facts that we've butchered regarding the Jerry Dome today. Um, at, at 10.30 this morning, we're going to have Mo Egger of 700 WLW and ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. We're going to have him join us and talk about the possibility of our Louisville Cardinals' very own Teddy Bridgewater 
falling to the 24th pick in the draft and ending up a Cincinnati Bengal, just right up the road, you know, an hour and a half drive uh, up 71 North. I mean, it would be an extension of the Louisville Cardinal fan base. I mean, the impact that a quarterback like that being drafted has is really I mean, sig- especially in this market. I mean, that would be big for, for, for uh for the, for the stadium, I'm sure the the attendance will go up if Teddy Bridgewater goes there. Like I said, I think he'll probably be starting mid season if he gets picked up by the Bengals. Wow, I I don't have a problem with that. Everybody mid-season. knows everybody knows my opinions on Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's two picks away from being on the bench. He had on paper. What's frustrating is on paper he actually has pretty good numbers. He yeah. has really good numbers actually, but he does not show up in big games. He doesn't show up well on the road and. He chokes in playoff games every single time. I mean, he just he's not he's not the quarterback that this team needs to take a step to the next level. I would love to see Teddy Bridgewater. The only comparable situation that I can think of at the local level is when was it ninety eight when Tim Couch was the number one overall pick? Uh, he went to the Browns. Uh, you know what? In, in Browns, but there's still Kentucky fans who you ask them who their favorite NFL team is, and it's still the Browns. I don't understand that. They're, that that exists. <laughs> They haven't won since they had Jim Brown. <laughs> and he didn't do well with them. He didn't do well with them. But, I mean, I'm serious. I think Tyler's a Browns fan. Wow. Those fans are dedicated, I tell you. But, they I mean, are. I pray. Now, I'm not a Louisville fan, but I pray that Bridgewater does not get drafted by the Browns because if he does, his career is over. I hope I hope they decide to pass on him and go a different route. I pray he doesn't go there because he he wouldn't have he won't have an NFL career if he goes to the, to the Cleveland Browns. Just because of the tradition and of that. I mean, there there was a I don't know if you saw it was on Facebook a while back, but it was a, a jersey that had a bunch of names. It was like twenty two names of all the quarterbacks like the last twelve years for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they've had like they've seriously had like twenty quarterbacks the last ten years. I don't even know who their quarterback is right now. Do you? Uh, they don't. Who was it? The way, no, they got rid of uh. No, I don't know who it is. <laughs> I'll bring it up here. I'll bring it up. I'm sure our man Brandon Because they, they, they cut the one guy who they drafted under uh, Holmgren's reign. He got cut this past offseason. I know that they've had guys like Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell left. He got, he resigned with uh, someone else. I forgot who, but he's no longer with Look, Cleveland. Brian Hoyer and Alex Tannier. That's yeah. the depth chart. So basically, their, their quarterback is in the draft right now. So one of their quarterbacks is either Blake Bortles, uh, Menzel, Bridgewater, or even David Carr. One of these guys is going to be the future quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Please, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, I'm sorry. Derek Carr is pretty hot. He's looked pretty good in the combines. He is. Uh, he has a little buzz going right now. It's always a, a neat topic to me to think of. I mean, you can't help but to associate him with the bust that was his brother. His brother was the number one overall pick, what, 10 years ago. There's a lot of difference. Between, yeah, for the Texans. Asian difference between those two guys. Um, but they say on paper that Derek Carr, actually, not on paper, but when you watch his workouts and his film and his arm, he's a very different quarterback than his brother. But the fact that his brother was a, a number one, one of those complete busts. Well, his brother uh, had a bigger arm. negatively impact him. David, he, I think David Carr had a bigger arm. Did he? Derek Carr, he's very efficient on the short passes. The type of offense they ran. Was at Fresno State? Yep. Yeah, he, they did that, that pistol offense. So he's very good and efficient with the short passes. Getting, like, once again, in the right system and the way the NFL has evolved for quarterbacks, he can, he can be very successful depending on where he lands, just as long as it's not Cleveland. There's a million different mock drafts. A million. I'm looking at one right now. It doesn't mean anything. But it has Jadavian Clowney going number one overall to Houston. And that's my number one pick. I would take, right? I mean, if you can get a game changer. I mean, the NFL is all about, it's a passing league. And if you can pass... You got an extreme advantage, but 
what is also very important is if you can apply pressure to oh. the opposing team's quarterback, you're going to win. Actually, I'm lying. That is not my number one pick. Blake Brodos is my number one pick for the Texans. To Houston? Yes. That's the number one pick. They're going to let Jadavian slip down. They, they have to get a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback on their team. This is another team. Unless they wait until the second round and hope they get some, get lucky. And like Manziel or somebody will drop. But I don't think that's going to happen. They have to take a quarterback number one. I just got a text from my buddy Kyle from Cleveland, lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. He says Teddy would prosper in Cleveland. And, and you know, I'll, I'll take the, the— Just like him in the last 20 quarterbacks? <laughs> I'll take the opposite stance of this. The NFL is the epitome of a league where there is parity. If you have a team that is horrible for a long time, they end up getting better. They do. They just do. The fact well, that they've had a ton of they've quarterbacks. never been good, Kelly. Why does that when have been? the Browns been good? They yeah. weren't even good under Bernie Kosar. You're right. That's very they very, were average, very accurate. They've never been good since they stepped since they came foot stepped foot in the NFL. But they what, haven't had a good team. But my argument would be this: What does that have to do with this current team? Nothing. The NFL is set up in a way that the they truly are. A well, the, okay. The foundation of this current team was pretty. They sucked pretty bad last year. Oh, I know. They've got Joe Thomas. It left tackle, one of the best. They got rid of the, they got rid of their running back for draft picks. So this they're, they're rebuilding it once again for the for the twentieth time in the last twenty. They've rebuilt every year. So they they gave away Trent Richardson for a few draft picks. So they're rebuilding their team through the draft this year, draft and free agency. So it, I mean, they, it's going to be another growing process for them. So they they got, got Alex Mack at center, very highly rated center. Oh they've yeah, got, he's a all, he's an all American <laughs> pro, right? Joe he's Thomas at left tackle. I'm not saying that it's going to. You know, it's going to be that way. But, I mean, it could happen. I'm not going to be the guy who says that because the Cleveland Browns have not had success in what? Ever. Ever. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they can't. Listen, the I put, I'll go on record a, saying this. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who've been to the AFC Championship game before, they will be a better team before the Cleveland Browns after this, this year's draft. I guarantee you that. They're re- they, re- they will rebuild faster than Cleveland. Okay. Especially now, if they go to L.A. Now, this, this draft that I'm looking at has a trade. It has St. Louis getting the number two pick as a result of trading from Washington, taking offensive tackle Greg Robinson out of Auburn. The number three Jacksonville Jaguars taken. None other than the exciting Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel out of Texas A&M. So that's the third pick. It has Atlanta at four, taking Khalil Mack, an outside linebacker from Buffalo. Yeah, they need that. And then the fifth pick, it has the Minnesota Vikings. Teddy would be a good place for him there. That's but he's not going to get drafted that high. You you just said he'd be a good place. Be a good place. Be, I said it'd be a good place for him, but he's not going to get drafted that high. That would be amazing. Yeah, that's the perfect place for him to go to. Because he's got Adrian Peterson. Yes, Adrian Peterson. They have an offensive line, strong running game. Adrian Peterson and uh the guy from Stanford. What's his name? Toby. Uh, Toby Gerhardt. Toby, yeah, they got, they got a solid team. They don't have any receivers, but he has a running game to mask up any uh, efficiencies he doesn't, uh, doesn't have. So... No question about it. We're going to head to a break here, and we're going to work on getting our man, Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, on the line with us. Also, 700 WLW. Carlo and I will be back with more of your weekend sports buzz.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Carlo Kellum. Coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon. Talking all things sports, not only locally here, but across the country. On the Oxmore Ford Lincoln Buzz line now, we do have Mo Egger of 700 WLW and ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Mo also hosts... Uh, National shows on occasion. I've heard him doing a great job on many national shows, and we are honored to have the great Mo Egger on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Mo? The great Mo Egger. Wow. The great, like the great Mo Egger. I'll tell you, Mo, I live here in Louisville, grew up in the Louisville area, and I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. We're fortunate enough to have 700 WLW. It does reach us down here. As many Reds fans, you know, with our, our Louisville Bats connection, um, there's a lot of Reds fans down here, and I, I listen to you. You guys like you and Lance McAllister. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say the great Mo Egger is joining us. So we do appreciate it. Wow. Well, thank you. You, uh, I might hire you to be my agent. <laughs> Mo, I, I had you on because I saw something yesterday on Twitter that you, someone had said something to the the tune of. I don't know the exact source, but you had tweeted out that Teddy Bridgewater is being looked at looked at as a possible option if he falls to the 24th pick for our Cincinnati Bengals to take. What is your take on that? I mean, Andy Dalton's putting up good numbers. On paper, Andy Dalton's a, a, a legitimate NFL quarterback. Why would they consider taking Teddy Bridgewater? Well, it, it, it's, it, I guess it depends on your, your opinion of Andy Dalton. You know, the Bengals obviously face – the Bengals face what I think, and, and – you know, maybe my thinking is skewed because I live here. I think the most interesting dilemma facing any team here in the off season is what the Bengals are going to decide to do with Andy Dalton long term. And there's it's there's so many different things they could decide to do from lock him up long term and pay him, you know, eighteen million bucks a year to Jeez. let him play out the year to sign him to a contract and draft another quarterback. I mean, there's a there's, there's a lot of different things here. I think it's I think it was pretty telling about six, seven weeks ago when Mike Brown spoke, I think at the owners' meetings, he did an interview and, and uh, sat down with uh, the local beat writers here and, and very much sounded conflicted, kind of at odds with himself about what, what to do with Andy Dalton. I think internally the Bengals have to ask themselves, is, is Andy Dalton worth making, um, centering the team around for the next six, seven years? And if the answer to that question is no, and you're sitting there at 24, and a, and a player like Teddy Bridgewater falls, and you're kind of drafting from a position of luxury where, with the with the exception of maybe in the defensive backfield, you don't have any huge glaring weaknesses, it would make total sense to draft Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think they're going to draft a quarterback at some point in this draft. I think they're going to draft a quarterback reasonably early. But if if a guy who some thought at one point might be the number one overall pick is there at 24 and you're not completely sure about your quarterback and you know the way the NFL works where quarterback commodities are, are the ultimate currency in this league, and you've, you've got to seriously, seriously think about drafting him if he's there. Now, if he'll be there, I don't know. Um, how much of what we heard yesterday, and I think it was Chris Mortensen who, from ESPN who originally reported that Teddy Bridgewater would be a fallback option, and I guess you know, I kind of joked, if, if he's our fallback option, that's, that's pretty good. Um, how much of this is just pre-draft conjecture? How much of this is, you know, we have an extra couple of weeks to talk about this, and, you know, teams are, are dropping hints that maybe Bridgewater would, would fall. I, I, again, I don't know. I think the other thing you have to consider if you're the Bengals at, at 24, even if Teddy Bridgewater is there, 
are you better off trading your pick, trading your pick down? Is there another team that would want to slide up and, and draft Teddy Bridgewater? The Bengals could then address the defensive backfield. I think there's a lot of different things they could do, but you know, I don't think there's any denying that that um, a this team is going to draft a quarterback, and, and b if he's there, that they're going to you know seriously consider uh, you know giving him a look. Hey, mother, this is Carla. What, what what are some of the concerns coming out of the combine that have caused Teddy's stock to, dr- to drop? Oh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, it, it's. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I pay. I, I pay less attention to what people say out of the combine, and and frankly, a heck of a lot more attention to what I watch. And you know, I've, I've had a chance to watch Teddy Bridgewater uh, a number of times in person, um, especially against you know the, the the University of Cincinnati, and he's he's been great. He looks the part to me. Of, of a very good NFL quarterback now, you know, in terms of, of why his, his stock has fallen. And you know, I, I don't know, I, you know, um, I, I tend to, I tend to not really believe a lot that you hear from NFL teams around the draft, you know, because it, nobody attaches their name to anything. Um, and, and most of it's, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of stuff being thrown out there. That's not necessarily going to stick when you get to the draft. There's a lot of smoke screens being said, I just I go but I go by what I watched and and what I watched from Teddy Bridgewater at Louisville was a guy who just looks the part of a prototypical starting quarterback. Now, if, will he be a superstar? Yeah. I, 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 there are so many variables that go into that. But what I watched at Louisville and what I had a chance to see in person was impressive enough for me that I, I you know he looks like a first round draft choice to me, whether he is or not. You know, who knows? But he he certainly looked the part to me. Mo, uh, being that I cover the Louisville market specifically, um, I also have a different perspective. You know, I have to try to take a step back and say, well, I cover Teddy Bridgewater very closely. He looks great to me, but it's very nice to hear a a different perspective. And how will this all work out? You know, Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best quarterback in the draft. I'm sorry, in the NFL right now. And at one time, he was projected to be the number one overall pick before falling to, I think it was 25. So is that how it'll work out? Would he benefit? Would Teddy Bridgewater benefit from sitting behind Andy Dalton for a year maybe coming in or a couple years and competing down the road? Only time will tell. So I'm right there with you, Mo. I think he can make all the throws. I think he's the type guy who appears – I mean, his film certainly looks like an NFL starting quarterback. Only time will tell whether or not he pans out at the next level. So we'll see how that goes. While I have you on the line, Mo, I know you cover the Cincinnati Reds very closely. Um, they had a big win yesterday. Johnny Cueto really seems to be on fire. He had a big, a big win, 10 strikeouts. Today we have the, the Reds playing at, at 4-10. Alfredo Simon, he's 4-1, having a, a very surprisingly impressive season so far. The offensive futility for this Reds team seems to be the, the recurring theme going forward. Do you think that's something that as the weather gets better, uh, someone like Zach Cozart will get a hot bat. I mean, is the is the offensive woes that this team faces is that something that's going to be a problem all season, or do you see things livening up for the bats for this this Reds team? Well, it, it, I think Billy Hamilton will will improve. Now, how good is he going to be? You know, we're not talking about a guy who by the end of the year you're going to go, wow, what a prototypical leadoff hitter he's. You know, they're they're going to be lucky if he gets on base for the season 30% of the time. But when, you know, the, the question is, the question has never been, um, 
can Billy Hamilton change games with his speed? Of course he can. The question is how many? And unfortunately, so far, the answer has been no. So how do you score when he's not getting on base? How do you score when you've got a guy at the top of the order who's getting on base roughly you know, 26, 25% of the time? Um, that's difficult to do because this team, this team has so many of the same types of guys. You know, They have a lot of right-handed hitters who hit for some power but not an overwhelming amount. Um, they're not huge on base percentage guys. <clears throat> they're not huge. You know, they don't hit for, for high average. None of them are really in their prime, or their prime really isn't that good. I mean, if you look up and down the order, Frazier, Ludwig, Cozart, Phillips, I'll throw Chris Heisey into the mix. You know, they're all kind of the same guy. And, you know, this team, the, the other night they hit three homers and people get really excited about that. And that's great. When you hit a lot of home runs, you're going to score a lot of runs. But when Hamilton's not getting on base and the homers aren't coming, um, this team is really too station to station, I think, and really too limited. It doesn't have enough high-end hitters to, to score a lot of runs. And so that's not an assessment after – 30 games or whatever it's been it's really an assessment after the last year plus you know this team brought back everybody minus arguably its best offensive player from last year and Shinsu Chu replaced him at the, at the top of the order with a guy who's a rookie and not getting on base it's it's difficult to improve offensively when when you do that and you know I, the the approach has changed a little bit they're not striking out nearly as much um they're they're still going to be formidable because Joey Votto is still a very very good hitter. Jay Bruce's track record suggests he's still going to have uh, a, a very good season. Um, they have some hitters who are capable of of streaks, but nothing that I think is going to be sustainable enough to to get this team to to where we want it to go. And you know while you could say it's early, again I come back to last season. This this team was was stuck in the mud for most of last summer and offensively was very, very uneven, and given the fact that the composition of the team is basically the same as last year, I don't, I don't, see, I don't see that changing. The good news is um, their starting pitching has been outstanding. When Matt Latos comes back, that adds another just bona fide ace. Johnny Cueto has been fantastic. Uh, Aroldis Chapman will be back here in, within about a week or so. When, when he's back, the bullpen, I think, is going to be very, very good. It started to improve just a, a little bit. It's had some issues this season. They're going to be in most games. They're going to send a guy to the hill every night who gives them a shot to win. Um, but it, the, the, the offensive production is, is going to be a problem. And I said back in, in February, we're going to spend the entire first four months of the season talking about how this team gets better in July, and they haven't done anything to really change that. This team is, is going to have to find a way to add a piece to help the offense. And frankly, I, I, I'm not sure how they're going to do that. Mo, the team obviously is very similar to last year, minus Chu as the leadoff hitter and substitute Billy Hamilton in there. Brian Price is now the coach. And whether it's because of Billy Hamilton and his amazing speed and his base running ability or not, the Reds ended the season last year ranked 22nd in the major leagues in stolen bases. As things stand right now, they're second in the majors in stolen bases. Is that a significant stat? Or is that more uh, something that over time will will head back toward the the back of the pack? Well, Billy Hamilton, when he gets on, is going to run, and he's going to be successful. You know, the, the majority of the time. Now, he's actually already been thrown out five times. You know, Brian Price from the get go has talked about you know being more aggressive on the base paths, um, giving guys like Jay Bruce uh, the green light. But I think the more glaring statistic to me is they lead the major leagues in in players thrown out at the plate. 
wow. which tells you they're being more aggressive, but it doesn't necessarily tell you that they're being very smart when running the bases. Um, and this is a team that's already played, I think, uh, 12 one-run games, a lot of really low-scoring games. When you have such a small margin for error, you can't give away outs. And I think what'll what'll be interesting is if they sort of change, for lack of a better way of putting it, the way they the way they handle uh, running the bases because it's it's they've had in close games guys chucked out at the plate and oftentimes not even close and I, I they don't have a lot of team speed they're not a very athletic team they don't have a lot of guys who burn now you know obviously Dylan Hamilton scores on pop-ups but um I I those they'll, they'll continue to steal a lot of bases when he gets on but I, I think that the more interesting thing to me is how will the the base running approach change if they continue to give away so many outs uh, with, with other guys on the bases. Billy Hamilton's going to be allowed to run whenever he wants, whether he's tagging up, stealing, whatever. I'm not sure that that should apply to everybody, you know, just kind of given their, their small margin for error. Definitely a different style than Dusty Baker had last year for Brian Price to be so aggressive on the base paths. I know we're only 30 games into the season, Mo, and, uh, the, you know, baseball is a traditional sport that involves waiting and, waiting until during the season or after the season to really evaluate things. We're in a microwave society, as our man Rick Pitino always says, where we need immediate analysis and immediate you know, uh, over-analysis at all times. At this point in the season, what is your opinion on the job that Brian Price is doing? Um, I think the jury is still out. You know, The team doesn't have a very good record, so it's hard to say that he's doing a great job. His his managerial philosophies. I don't I don't necessarily think that we have, you know, enough of a of a sample size to really put a finger on what they are. I think what'll be interesting is when when Araldus Chapman comes back and he has everybody in the bullpen. Um, how he manages that, you know, the, the use of Araldus Chapman has been one of the the biggest topics with the Reds ever since he he signed with the organization. And Dusty Baker was very much a, you know, he's going to get the last three outs. He's going to come in and save situations. He'll pitch in the ninth inning. He's not going to get many five-out saves or four-out saves. We're not going to use him in the eighth. We're not going to not going to use him in the seventh. I think that might change a little bit with Brian Price, but Brian Price, especially given the fact that Jonathan Broxton has so far been so good in in the ninth inning. In terms of of how he runs the game, you know, again, he's 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 he wants his guys being more aggressive on the base paths. Um, and you know, that's, I'm not necessarily sure we've seen the, the results that he would like, but I, I could certainly understand why he wants to put, put the pressure on the defense more. He's not as big into, you know, playing small ball as Dusty Baker has, but he'll still bunt in critical situations. He did on, on Thursday night in the game against the Brewers uses his, his three hole hitter, uh, Brandon Phillips. But I, I think the, the one thing that stood out to me was 10 games into the season, he moved Joey Votto into the two spot. Now, to the extent that that got Joey going, that we could debate that. It certainly hasn't drastically changed the offense. But Dusty Baker was very much a sit-back-and-wait kind of manager. Sit back and just see if things will change. He wasn't very – as great a manager as he was, he wasn't extraordinarily flexible. And I, I don't think he was really, really open-minded about, you know, kind of outside-the-box solutions. What I liked about what Brian Price did with Joey Votto, 10 games into the season is – he basically said, I'm not going to sit around and wait for something to happen that's not. And he was flexible enough to take Joey Votto and move him into the two spot. He really didn't care if Joey wanted to do it. He really didn't, you know, force the issue with him. He just kind of did it. And that's a lot different than Dusty Baker. Now, ultimately, they, they both have basically the same team. So I don't know that, that a new manager is going to be worth 
the five or six more wins needed to win the division. And I don't think he's necessarily going to be worth, you know, five or six losses, which would completely punt him out of the postseason picture. But I, I just think the flexibility and the open-mindedness that I saw with the Joey Votto thing tells me that he overall is going to be a different manager than Dusty Baker. That doesn't necessarily be that. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a more successful manager than Dusty Baker. But I do think there are some differences, and I think that's probably the biggest one. Great stuff there from our man Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 and 700WLW in Cincinnati. Mo, we really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks for your insight regarding the Bengals' you know, approach to going in and possibly taking Teddy Bridgewater at the 24th pick and also the analysis of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, thank you very much, Mo. Have a great rest of your weekend. We look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Mo. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Wow, that was great, man. Not bad guess yeah. there, huh? Oh, no, that was a lot of good info. Golly, hey, he gave me a lot of info, uh, a lot of ammo for this Wednesday show I could use. Oh, yeah. A lot of insight, yeah. A lot of insight about what? Oh, this is Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds. You know, I'm not a baseball guy. So, yeah. You know, it, all that was uh, good info for me. You know, I thought I was being real clever with dropping the the bang, the the Reds were 22nd in the league in the majors in stolen bases last year. This year, they're second in the majors. I was I thought I was really sneaky. For right. dropping that on Mo, he he obviously knew the stat, yeah, and he, he came back with a counter stat <laughs> about the ba- the Reds leading the majors in 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 runners being thrown out at home plate. I have seen that a lot right. this year. So how many games are left? One hundred and forty. <laughs> I mean, it's still a lot of ball. A lot of ball to be played. In, there is. Uh, in there's baseball. what hundred. There's only one hundred eighty-two games, right? Yeah, one hundred sixty-two games. 62? So wow, so only games. only uh, thirty games in. Oh wow, one hundred thirty left. Yeah, the Reds are fourteen and sixteen. They are six and a half games back of the Milwaukee Brewers, who they play today at 410, where Alfredo Simon is starting for the, the Reds. Alfredo was a, a, a really good relief pitcher last year for the Reds. And after Matt Latos got hurt, Alfredo moved into the starting rotation. He's four and one. He's doing really well. What's interesting about Alfredo is he actually has, a, a in this city of Cincinnati, a very public pending civil litigation Regarding uh, a woman who's accusing him of rape. Wow. He's having a career season, and we'll have to ask Brandon Lawrence about that, see if he, he knows anything about that situation. Wow. But the lady's not charging him in a criminal court. In a civil suit? She, I, I think that's what it is. I think she's just saying, I want, you rape me, I want some money. I'm not trying to, not no, trying to put that, you— that, that should be thrown out immediately. I don't think it is. We'll have to ask our man Brandon J. I mean, Lawrence about you're that. You're suing for the money, but you're not suing for justice? Jay does stand for justice. Yeah. Brandon J. Lawrence. We'll have to get his. Sounds kind of jaded. I don't know about that one. Sounds kind of suspicious. It does to me too. And and I'm a, you know, if he if he committed rape, by all means, I don't. Justice needs to be served. But, yeah. But I don't think it's justice taking him to civil court just to get money out of it. If you were truly if you were truly raped, justice needs to be served. I agree. So we'll see. I'm a big Reds fan. Alfredo Simon. Hope it's not true. Starting for the Reds today at four ten, against the division leading Milwaukee Brewers. Carlo and I are going to head to a break, and we'll be back with more Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Carlo Kellum coming at you every Sunday from 10 until noon. 
talk about all things in the world of sports. We focus on local sports here, but we like to keep a national show where we talk about all things. We had Mo Egger in the previous segment where we talked about the local guy, Teddy Bridgewater, as a possibility for the Cincinnati Bengals. I love the topic. I love the idea. I would be happy if for years I could just drive an hour and a half up the road and see my man Teddy Bridgewater donning the beautiful black and orange stripes. So that's what I'm, I'm now focused on and banking on. That's Carlo. a good sight. I like it. I like the idea of it. I, I, really, I, I hope it happens for him. He's got A.J. Green. He's got some good receivers there. Uh, they've got some positive momentum as an organization. I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 502-384-1450. We are now going to head to the buzz line where we have our man Brian the Insider on the line with us. Brian covers all things, all sports, but his, his niche is the, the horse racing. He loves the ponies. Brian, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Kelly and Carlo. How you gentlemen doing this morning? Hey, doing great. How's it going, Brian? Oh, doing great. Doing great, boy. I tell you, before I get into that exciting Kentucky Derby, congratulations on that great interview with Mo. I tell you, I agree with both of you guys. That uh, gives me goosebumps. Being a Bengals fan, to think that uh, uh, that Teddy could, uh, and and I agree with Mo. I think the Bengals need a new quarterback. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to get them where they need to go with the the great cast of on defense and offense that they have. Uh, he's he's had his opportunity. You know, he was a kind of a surprise second round draft choice, and I think he could be a nice backup, but. He's no Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, boy, what would what excitement would that bring? And uh, boy, bring a lot of Louisville fans, uh, make them Bengals fans too. It'd be good for attendance over there. No question about it. You don't want to draft someone, and rarely does it happen where fans start saying things like, "Well, Vince Young is a Texas guy, so the Texans will take him number one." That doesn't happen. It didn't happen in whatever year that was, two thousand four or whenever it was, Carlo. They took Mario Williams, and I think that yeah. was the, the right pick. They didn't take uh, Reggie Bush. Yeah, they didn't. They 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 took who they thought was the best player, the best fit for best fit for their team. But it may just so happen to be that at the twenty fourth spot, the Bengals truly think Teddy Bridgewater is the best the best option for him. So I mean, that would just be amazing. I would. Well, what, what kind of pressure does that put on Eddie Dalton when you taking a quarterback in the first round? I mean, that's guaranteed money. They got to, though. I mean, Andy's had his opportunity. He's had playoff games now, and he has way underperformed in the playoff games. The best thing I heard from Mo was that they hope it's Teddy, but that they're going to pick a quarterback high. Because the the problem being a Bengals fan, as I have been my whole life, is that with the the Browns, uh, especially Mike Brown running the program, mediocrity, you know, just kind of goes there. I, I personally think Marvin Lewis, uh, you know, it should not just have his contract renewed, guaranteed every year. He's the longest tenured coach in football, but it's because they have a different standard. I mean, he has never won a playoff game, and in most towns that would not be acceptable. So I was afraid they were just going to take the, the red rifle, Andy Dalton, and say, hey, he's good enough. We'll just stick him in there, and, you know, we'll get to the playoffs. We'll win eight to ten games a year, and Mike Brown will make money for him and all the other nine or ten family members that are in the – boardroom at the Bengals and uh, but to hear that they want a quarterback regardless gives me hope you know what's wild about it Brian and I know that it's derby weekend and you're going to update us on the significance of the the wins yesterday uh, through all the races from yesterday but what's really interesting to me about the Andy Dalton situation and I agree with you and Mo completely they need to look for a new quarterback 
What's interesting is I'm looking at Andy Dalton's stats from last year. Carlo, would you believe he had 33 touchdowns? He had a big year last year. He did. He only I, I praised him all season last year, saying how great he was, how he was the future of the of the Bengals, and then he did exactly what you've been saying all year. He 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 choked. He chokes in the spotlight. He's not that's a big a good, time quarterback. That's a good segue into horse racing. It's called spit the bit. When a horse <laughs> is at the top of the stretch at the Derby and he's outrun his pedigree and he's tired, his tongue pushes that bit out and says, "Baby, I am done." And that's what Andy does in the playoff. But let's get right into horse racing, guys. What? What a spectacular derby that was yesterday. I was out there. Actually, actually, I made it out there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Oh, wow. So, well, you were also uh, doing a show, a right? Week. Yeah, I, was, I, I did a show yesterday with uh, the two Mikes and uh, Haven, great guys. Uh, very, very, very exciting. John Asher came on the show and gave us a great story about Native dancer i mean it was it was a real pleasure and honor to have john sitting in the booth with us but um you know i i i liked california chrome if you guys remember i started talking about california sure chrome did. two or three months ago when he's big race in california but uh you know all of us betters were hoping that a five to two wouldn't win but he did uh and fortunately i had him coupled with commanding uh um well, it was a commanding curve, and my wife threw in Danza. I didn't think Danza was going to be able to do it. So Actually, I, I had Danza. I, I picked Danza to win. He was my my my, my horse. So uh, at least he plays. He, he ran very good, Carlo. He just ran into some traffic. The horse I, I really thought was going to hit at a big price was Vicar's in trouble, and boy, he sure was in trouble. I mean, he got pinched <laughs> down on that rail, and he's probably. I'm I've been trying to search the internet this morning to see if he's okay. He he uh, he not just spit the bit. I mean, he might have. He might have hurt himself because he finished dead last 38 lengths back. So uh, for those listeners that uh, got heavy on him, I apologize. But uh, uh, that one that one hole, I should have listened to Bob Baffert. Bob Baffert says, hey, I don't mind any position in the derby draw except the one hole. And that's where Vicar's in trouble came out of. And I thought he'd have the speed to get out of there, but he didn't. But hats off to California Chrome. I mean, the two favorites won this weekend. Uh, Unpappable was very impressive in the Oaks, and California Chrome was very impressive. The only difference was Unpappable ran a very, very, almost, of course, uh, Oaks record, had a 107 buyer figure. California Chrome, even though he was east at the wire, I think he could have done better. Very pedestrian, uh, two minutes, three second time for a fast track. So a lot of the people are saying that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, maybe it's not that good a three year old crop he ran against, but you can't take it away from him. He, he came in as the favorite and he dominated it. And now all eyes are on Baltimore, uh, two weeks from yesterday for the Preakness. And I don't think anybody can beat him in this group except untappable. Uh, and I think she can beat him, but that's the big question in horse racing now. Will they put the Philly like Steve Asmussen when he had Rachel Alexandria? Uh, if you remember, they bought Rachel after her 20 length Oaks romp and, uh, switched him over. Jess Jackson bought her, who the deceased Jess Jackson and switched him to Asmussen and Asmussen took him right and put her, put her right into the Preakness and she won. So, uh, we're hoping to see the two best horses go against each other. And that's clearly the Philly untappable and California Chrome. Brad, what are the, I know, what are the chances of California Chrome actually winning the Triple Crown? I know it's far-fetched, but will that ever happen again? Is it possible? That's a great question, Carlo. I, I, I think this horse could do it, and I think he's a very, very good horse, but you really have to start wondering with the time yesterday, how good is the crop? 
uh, you know, now what will happen is some of these horses that run in the Derby, and this is why the Belmont is so tough and the Triple Crown so tough, a lot of these horses will skip the Preakness, rest up, you know, regroup, and come out firing. Commanding Kerr, for one, who was really moving at the end of the race, he will most certainly skip the Preakness, but that horse can run all day. And if you remember, the Belmont's a mile and a half, another quarter mile longer than the Derby. So I don't think many people, unless untappable goes in the Preakness, you're going to see California Chrome a very, very short price. Uh, she, he went off in a 19 horse field at five to two in the Derby, which is just unbelievably short. Uh, it, it, who knows what well, he, he, he may do like Wise Dan did yesterday and go off at two to five. Wise Dan, very, very tough win yesterday. He did, he did in a photo, he, he did win and keep his unbelievable streak going, but he was, he was challenged and, uh, but he did win the grade one Woodford, uh, turf classic, which is the race right before the Derby. Very impressive, but he did it at two to five. And I think we're going to see a similar number, uh, when California Chrome gets in the starting gate in Baltimore. Uh, Brian, can you give us an update on the jockeys that were injured in, uh, I think it was an earlier race yesterday, or was it Friday? You know, I haven't heard an update, Carlo. Um, I saw the race live. I was watching it before I went out to the track, and it, it, they they actually quit showing the, the the spill because it was it was it was really bad. I mean, uh, not only did the one jockey get stepped on, but he actually got rolled on by a twelve hundred pound horse. And uh, last I heard, uh, both still uh, one was had a concussion and one had neck injuries. So I don't have an update on that, but they are in my prayers. 122 pound, I think, is what they have to weigh in at the jockeys. Uh, 122 yeah. pound jockey getting rolled on by a 1,200 pound horse. God, that sounds horrible. Well, hey guys, on another subject, what about my? Uh, they didn't. They didn't look pretty doing it, and I didn't think they were going to do it. But my Pacers survived, and even Roy showed up. I thought Roy had maybe been arrested and jailed, uh, and that's why he had coming in with zero zeros for the two or three games. But he even had 13 and seven. And they finally got rid of the Jeff Teague uh, and the Pesty Hawks. Huge win for the Pacers. At the end of the day, they made it out of the first round. The San Antonio Spurs are also a one seed going to a to a, a game seven. So it's not. I mean, it's just kind of the nature of the playoffs this year is that there's a lot of parity. And at the end of the day, like I said, what matters is this Pacers team made it out of the first round. What did you see from Roy that? I mean, how did how does he just show up one day, Brian, and the next day he, he, I guess he just isn't feeling in a good mood and they don't even play him. I mean, what the hell's going on with Roy Hibbert? I don't know. You know, $14 million a year Roy uh, for a tight budget Pacers team, that is a huge piece of the payroll going to Roy. And I tell you what, he did have 13 and 7, but that is still, I mean, I still do not know what you do with big boy Roy in the offseason no matter what happens to the Pacers, but he cannot. I, there was a couple games when not only Roy didn't score, but the backup Mahimi didn't score. So they got zero points out of their center position. And you cannot do that and be successful in the NBA. So I don't know what is going on with Roy, but I have got to say, uh, you know, if Andy Dalton needs to be replaced, the Pacers certainly need a new center. And I don't know how to get out of that contract, but – Man, oh man! I don't know what's happened with Roy, but uh, he just looks very bad. Well, he I did. Have, he did show up yesterday. He had the the points and rebounds. Yeah, thirteen and seven. He also blocked five. Also blocked five but, shots. But they struggled against the worst team in the playoffs. Sub five hundred. I mean, what does that mean leading into their next game? 
I mean, not I, good. It's not good. And I tell you what, the wizard looked good. I mean, the wizards, boy, I tell you what, uh, you know, I think most of us were kind of surprised at how I was, you know, I, we all know John Wall's on the wizard, uh, but boy, they've got a great supporting cast Neil. and the Pacers are going to have all they can do there again. No question about it. Brian, we appreciate the update on the horse racing and the Kentucky Derby. What is it? 140. We appreciate it. And your NBA insight. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your weekend, Brian. Thank you very much, guys. I love the show. Great interview with Mo. I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot, Brian. NBA playoffs are amazing this year, Carlo. Arguably the best first round in the history of the playoffs. You know what? I I, I stopped watching the first round. They added the additional game. But this year, it's made up for it. I don't like the the seven-game series in the first round. I think it should still be five-game series. I think it's too long. But this has been a lot of action this first round. A lot of good action. I want to encourage our listeners, give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 502-384-1450. And what we, about the – you know, go ahead. I was going to say, we're now going to head back to the buzz line. Oh, okay. We got our man Tyler on the line with us, Carlos' buddy Tyler. How are you doing this morning, Tyler? I'm doing great, guys. It's a beautiful day. How are you all doing? Great, Tyler. What's going on? I had the pleasure of meeting Tyler finally for the first time. Did you? Yeah. He thought I blew him off, but I didn't know who he was at first. Oh, okay. Where was and this I, at? I apologize for that. It was at the uh, the, uh, the Night of the Future All-Stars. Oh, okay. He, he, he and Rashawn did some great commentary on the game. You know, there's one story that I think will unify Carlo and Tyler today that we haven't gotten to yet. What's Ty- that? Tyler, I, I hate to say it, go ahead and break it. No, well, I'll get to that in a minute, guys. Okay. <laughs> first, you know... You know, I was listening to your guy Brian the Insider. Uh, Brian, I do miss you. And you know, he mentioned he mentioned the word pinch, Kelly, and it really brought something to mind. What's that? Um, yesterday, Gary Stevens was riding the horse Global View, and it happened to be during this race, one of the horses in front of him pinched a loaf off, and it smacked him in the face, and he went on to still win the race. It was like a Donkey Kong video game when you see the banana spill and you go out of control, but he still won. So the horse got hit in the face with some horse dung? No, no. Gary Stevens, the jockey, got smacked in the face with some dung. Oh, oh my wow. God. I did not see that. Jeez, that should turn into a, a, a popular clip. That's horrible. Oh, Man. it's pretty fun. It's pretty good. I mean, it had to really <laughs> off, project okay, that pretty right far. Carlo, Carl, I need to let you know. I don't know if you know yet. It's something you might like. Louisville Cardinal, Mango, Matang, whatever his name is, he was arrested yesterday at Derby for a public drinking. Is what is what's going coming out over the the Twitter verse. Wow, Mango Matang. That is breaking right there. So the, I, I don't even see this. On, I'm looking at it right now. It's not even on the news site yet. So this is breaking news right here on the weekend sports bus. Another Louisville player. Yeah, I Eric Crawford. Go ahead. Now I said another Louisville player is facing some type of uh, allegations and and. Uh, they're being charged with something. This is like something that's being habitual for the Louisville Cardinals. Am I not? Am I mistaken? Uh, Kelly, I'll let you take that one. I don't know, man. It's been a lot. This, this goes back to my Justin Bieber argument. Mango Mathian was drinking alcohol at the Derby underage. Big deal. <laughs> he Tyler, has to live up to a standard, Kelly. This Tyler, is unacceptable. Tyler, did you ever drink at the Derby underage? You can admit it. There's no, uh, the you know, there's no... No uh, legal oh, no. repercussions of you admitting that on the air today. Did you ever do that? No, no, I totally did that. I did that every year when I was underage. And I, I'm not worried at all that he got arrested. He would not have probably got arrested the way it seems. Maybe if he would just accept it or said yes or maybe poured out his alcoholic beverage. I don't know the details. Uh, I've read a few different articles online. All the news is coming out. But, 
it's nothing crazy. I don't care at all. I mean, don't, you know, this is nothing like, you know, you're, you didn't, you didn't, I don't know. It's nothing to me. I know Kelly, you drank, uh, you know, at the Derby underage. I'm sure everybody has at least once. Oh, everybody yeah. there was probably half people underage ever drunk. Big deal. No questioning about it, though. It is troubling. There, you know, that's a, a lead. Yes. How, how is the university going to deal with it? But, I mean, that that's an issue. That's the starting center for Rick Pitino's. And they have Cardinals. a standard to live up to, playing under the the banner of the Louisville Cardinals. They do, and it is. It is certainly nothing to sneeze at. Mango Mathieng arrested yesterday at the Derby. His friend was arrested. Supposedly, Mango, I guess, it doesn't say defiant in the the news clip, but sounds like he didn't cooperate and he was kind of strange. He was following a police officer on foot, and then then they arrested him. So, I mean. Maybe they couldn't understand what he was saying. He speaks fine English. I don't know. I've never. Heard, I, I don't know. I don't. I've never heard him speak. But what happened to the good old Andy Griffin days when they would just say, "Hey, we'll take you home." You know, a little smack on the wrist. Well, I mean, why are these cops so well, gung ho? You know, what I've read, though, Carlo, is you know, uh, it seems that it could have been that way. You know, but like Kelly mentioned, he may have not have cooperated, which caused this to go to the arrest stage. Obviously, more news will come out here shortly. But I, I did want to get that out. But before I do go, Kelly. Something I have to bring up to you. You know, I'm a diehard, you're a diehard. Hanson Jimmy, you're out there somewhere in the world, you're a diehard. So, since I read, we are struggling, struggling, struggling. What's going on? I know, yeah, I missed your interview earlier. I don't know, man. The pitching is working. There's no question about it. Alfredo Simons starting today at 410 against the division leading Brewers. The pitching seems to really have it all working. Brian Price is the former pitching coach, and he's coming in, and this, this staff is. Is truly doing very well. The bullpen is really struggling, and as I mentioned to Mo earlier, the offense, the offense is still just—I mean, not getting it done. The bats have to come alive when the weather gets better. Maybe I'm hoping that the this offensive team will really—I don't know—maybe the weather will help them and and they'll come alive. Billy Hamilton has changed the identity of this team offensively. No question about that. I said to Mo earlier, Tyler. That when the season ended last year, the Reds ranked 22nd in the major leagues in stolen bases. As it stands today, they are second in the major leagues in stolen bases. So that is changing the identity. It's not the exact same offense as last year. But you have a guy like Cozart batting like 180. It's a shortstop position. And you have Billy Hamilton who's always, I mean, he's hitting leadoff. He always is struggling to have a good on-base percentage. This offense... I mean, they need to make a trade or something, Tyler, right? That's exactly what I was going to say, Kelly. Let's trade a roll to Chapman for two bats, and let's get this turnaround. I'm open to that. If they want to trade a roll to Chapman, then bring it's in a couple. Do it. It's the only way we can. He's, he's trade value, Kelly. I mean, you know, he's a lot of money for the Reds here in about a year or two to keep anyways. He's trade value. He's at the top of his game, obviously, and he's going to be for another eight or ten years. Uh, he goes clock at, I believe, 101 during uh, uh, pitching yesterday. So, obviously, the uh, injury he had is seems to be, you know, past. He seems to be okay and back to normal. You go trade him. The Cincinnati Reds, have, in my opinion, as a diehard fan over the years, they've never been a team that gets into the closing situations every game or every other game. They just don't. They've never been one of the best-saving teams in the baseball. So, you know, we have Jonathan Broxton. He could fill the void at the closing position. You know, you could go out and find a guy that will fill that void. You don't need a person throwing 105 that's not even getting there much. Check the playoffs, for example, the past two years. He's maybe only thrown three innings at most. That's not good. Go trading, bring in some bats. Go Reds. 
school sucks. Man goes to jail. <laughs> Thank you very much for the call, Tyler. Uh, you got to like that. Great end, stuff by Tyler. Ending man. there, don't you, Carlo? Oh, I love it. Louisville sucks. Go Reds. What do you say? Louisville sucks. Go Reds. Mangoes in jail. Well, no denying. I mean, well, Louisville Pacino has suck. work to do. His job never stops, huh? It does not. It does not ever stop. We'll see what, what comes from this Mango situation. Carlo and I are going to head to a break, and we'll be back with more of your weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Carlo Kelm. Carlo, you're you're liking that Rolling Stones sympathy for the devil this morning, aren't you? Yeah, I can dig it, man. It reminds me of any military movie when the guys are flying on a chopper. They're playing this song. I think that may be what it's about. I don't know. I heard it. I went to an event yesterday for the Derby in my basically in my neighborhood. It's within walking distance called the the Hillbilly Outfield. Cost sixty bucks to get in at the door. Sixty bucks. It did cost sixty. I gotta say, it cost sixty bucks it, to get in. Was it worth it? I think it was. It was super cool. There's, I would say, there's probably five or six hundred people there. Um, great music. You could place bets. There was windows to place bets within walking distance of my house. I mean, it's tough to beat the whole within walking distance of the house thing for me. I mean, yeah, on safe, a day like Derby, yeah, you know, you won't be faced with the main whatever his name is situation. Mango, yeah, Mango, yeah, walk home, you know, not underage. But anyways, I heard that song at the uh, at the Hillbilly Outfield last night. The woo woo stuck in my head, so that's why I went with it. Today. Good choice, Kelly Patrick. Good Thank choice. You. The weekend sports buzz is brought to you by who, Carlo? Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. We appreciate Brandon allowing us to be on the air every Saturday. From 9 to 11 and Sunday, from 10 until noon. We'll have Brandon calling in in, what is it, about 20 minutes to correct us. Yeah, right. right. Time's flying by fast. And also, you can catch Brandon here every Wednesday at 6 p.m. At, on Out of Bounds from out 6 to 7. Out of Bounds is a show where, where you guys like to talk about somewhat similar to how we do here, but even more so. You, you try to avoid talking about the Louisville-Kentucky. No Louisville-Kentucky talk. We don't, we don't discuss that at all. That's what separates us from the other shows. I like that. You know, Carlo, you and I are both NBA guys, NFL guys, boxing guys. I, I don't even mind talking occasional golf or you know, uh, even wrestling. Even some, some WWE or what is it tonight, Carlo? EC- EC, it's, uh, I said ECW. It's Extreme Rules, WWE tonight. Daniel oh. Bryan versus Kane. Evolutions Reunited, Triple H, Batista, and Randy Orton versus my favorite new team, The Shield. So it's... Uh, It'll be a big night. I know you're like, what the heck are you talking More about? More so ECW, because <laughs> ECW did exist back in the day. Well, ECW was originally, they brought the Extreme Rules pay-per-view uh, onto the scene because of ECW. So, you know, they were using the ECW brand for a while, and then they kind of uh, went away from that, and they just kept the pay-per-view. I know you don't get any of that, but that's what happened. That's just what it is. I want to encourage anyone who's listening, you want to chime in on Carlo's uh, WWE and professional wrestling talk? Or you want to talk about the Derby or, hell, the NBA playoffs, arguably the greatest first round of the NBA playoffs in the history of the NBA. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. That's, I mean, there's how many games? Six are going to game seven? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, the, the Lakers, they, they win 4-3 over, uh, I said the Lakers, 
the Clippers win 4-3 over Golden State. Under all the turmoil they're under, they still pulled out a first-round victory. Many storylines going on in the NBA today. Uh, Steve Kerr is rumored to be hired as the Knicks coach soon. What Does he have any coaching experience? No. No, I, mean, I know he worked for he worked for the Spurs, right? In the front office, is that correct? Not the front office, but he was. Uh, I think it was the Phoenix Suns. Was it the Suns? Okay. I think it was the Suns. But that's the trend these days, right? I mean, is you take Jason Kidd or Mark Jackson? Basically, if you were a guard in the NBA, a point guard, maybe he's the head coach, Kevin McHale. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't think he. I don't know how long he. Well, uh, yeah, I think he was in the front office first, though. Yeah, he was in the front office with Minnesota before he became a head coach. But, yeah, he didn't have any coaching. You're right. He didn't have any coaching experience, and then he just walks right into a head coaching job. So being a head coach in the NBA is a difficult thing to really quantify and evaluate. I've always thought it's crapshoot. Um, so I don't – it makes sense. You bring in a name, a name that players will respect. The day of guys like – what is his name? Lawrence Frank or Jeff Van Gundy coming up and, and being the next head coach of a team, I think those are about over. Yeah, rivalry cycle. You know, I, I hate seeing these coaches bounce around the way they do, like the Adelmans and uh, who else? Like uh, Dunleavy. He he coached just about every freaking team in the NBA. Every coach. Even does. Larry Brown. He was all over the place. I hate to see the recycle coaches. I want to see some new young, fresh well, faces. Fresh faces. Even though Kevin McHale's not young, but you know, just some fresh faces. And then we have the story of the Los Angeles Lakers. What are they going to do? I know. There's no. You know what? The, with this whole uh, Clipper thing going on, this is kind of going on down under the radar. The Lakers story. Yeah, the Lakers story is kind of under the radar with all the other news being focused on the Clippers. But Mike D'Antoni resigned. Who? I mean, my guy, Calipari, he uh, he showed his loyalty to the Cats, said he's not interested. He's staying here. Mm-hmm. So who's the best choice? You know, it's a real interesting scenario there where they're going to not be very good next season. The Lakers are not going to be that good next season. We can agree on that, right? Yeah, unless they make some big – unless they get Carmelo in the offseason. Unless they get Carmelo in the offseason, which could happen. Lakers, um, but I don't see that have a ties to Phil, Phil Jackson. Jackson, and sometimes you know there's been fishy stuff. I won't say fishy, but I found, and this is a different topic, but I found it interesting when Jerry West went to the from the the Lakers to the, the Memphis. Memphis Grizzlies. Then coincidentally, no, this doesn't get much publicity, but I noticed it. Coincidentally, Paul Gasol gets traded from the Grizzlies to the Lakers. Hey, his he, old team he helped his buddies out. He helped his buddies out. That but stuff like get, that happens. But he got Mark Gasol. And Marcus Gasol, you're right, ended up being a, a hell of Pretty a player. Solid center, yeah. Yo, one of the best centers in the league. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think that they're not. The Lakers are not going to be good this upcoming season. Are you saying they're going to send Zach Randolph to <laughs> the Lakers now? No. What I'm saying is, whatever the year after this upcoming one. So this upcoming season will be what 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. The 2015, 2016 season. I think you can about bank on it that none other than Kevin Love will be a Los Angeles Laker. I think that'll be a good fit for him. So that makes it an appealing position. Kevin Love is in Minnesota and is not, I mean, he is a stud. I mean, Minnesota is like the Cleveland Browns of uh, basketball. It is. It is. not going to win. Kevin Garnett, they try, he, tried he tried to be loyal. He tried. He was there for, what, 10, 11 years. He tried. He gave it a, a, a huge effort, but you just can't win there. Somewhat similar situation. I would argue, I think Kevin Love's maybe even better than Kevin Garnett nah. was. I think he nah. is. No, yeah. Shut I think, the hell up, Kelly. I think he is. Are you serious? I'm you talking about the Stephon Marbury, Kevin Garnett days? Sam Cassell. Kevin Garnett was better his first three years than Kevin Love is right now. And he even involved him to be a better, a greater player. You want to compare numbers? I mean, how many? Let's, let's compare chips. 
Well, he got a chip. <laughs> I, I know Garnett, we got I a know chip when he, when he went, went to Boston. But he has. You say you want to compare numbers. I mean, look at the hardware. That's all Kevin Garnett. Kevin has Love to say. is twenty five years old. Still a young guy. One and done out of UCLA. He's been in the league for five years. This past season, let's hear what his, his averages were. 26.1 points per game. He played in 77 games, so almost every game. He averaged 26.1 points per game, 12.5 rebounds a game. He made 2.5 three-pointers per game. He shot 82.1% from the line. Compare that, compare that to Kevin Garnett's fifth year. All right, let's see. I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do it. I'm tip typing. Well, there's no way Kevin Love. Was, there's no way Kevin Love was better than Kevin Garnett. I want to hear what our listeners think. Yeah, no way. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line five hundred. I know you. I know you. I know you want the white chocolate guy to be better, man. But <laughs> Kevin Garnett. <laughs> it's just true. It's just true, Carlo. I like Kevin Love. Don't get me wrong. I said when he was coming out of college that he was going to be a great NBA player. I'm. I'm looking it up here, and he is a great NBA. I mean, hell, he's one of the best big men, if not the best. If not the best. Other than uh, Lamarcus Aldridge for for uh, Portland, can you believe Portland beat Houston? I hate to switch subjects, but why are you looking that up? I can't believe that. Should we compare the fifth year of Kevin Garnett's yeah, career, yeah, or, or or when he was twenty five? Yeah, either or. All right, when when Kevin Garnett was twenty five, he played in eighty one games. But see, that's different. When he was twenty five, all right. So let's compare the he fifth. came straight out of high school. Let's compare fifth, yeah. fifth year. He was twenty four. No, no, no. He was twenty three in his fifth year. So he played eighty one games there. More games than Kevin. And I got to scroll down to see the averages. I'm sorry. He averaged 22.9 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, shot 76.5% from the line. Now let's go back to Kevin Love. Who wins in the assist battle? What about blocks? Assist 4.4 for Kevin Love this year. Kevin Garnett that year had five. Wow. So Kevin Garnett won that battle. All right, let's see blocks. 1.6 for Kevin Garnett in his fifth year in the league. This past year for Kevin Love, 0.5. Kevin Garnett gets the nod there. Kevin Garnett gets the nod overall. No. I, 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 I would argue still. Kevin, it's Kevin pretty, Love it's pretty, is it's pretty even. It's, pr- it's pretty down. comparable. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty comparable. But it'll end up being a very similar situation where Kevin Love's not able to stick around in Minnesota. Right? Yeah, he's not getting any help. And they're not going to bring in any better players. Nobody wants to play in Minnesota. It's too cold. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's like Cleveland. Who wants to play Cleveland? It's two cold weather cities. Nobody wants to go there and play. You mentioned that the Trailblazers beat the Rockets. Uh, I can't believe that. But you got to give props to Portland. I mean, Houston just kind of crumbled, man. I don't know if they're, uh, they talk about tension between uh, Dwight Howard and uh, Harden. Go figure on that one. But I, they don't have to figure something out, man. They didn't bring Howard in to lose in the first round. No, they didn't. And I thought with Chandler Parsons. Terrence Jones. J- Terrence Jones, James Harden, even Jeremy Lin. Yeah, they should have did they something. Gotta, I, I really, for some reason, I fall victim to pulling for Dwight Howard's teams. I like the idea. I grew up in, in, on the NBA with guys like Patrick Ewing and Shaq, Kim Olajuwon. I like the notion of a dominant big man. So I will, I, I don't know why, just naturally I pull for Dwight Howard to make it to the finals. And I, I'd like to see them put things together around him. Because I think he's the last of a dying breed. Yeah, he really is. I mean, it, there's not many dominant players like himself and Shaq was, where they just can just overpower anybody down low in the post. But you're right, man. This first, they didn't bring him in to lose in the first round, so they're gonna have to figure something out. Figure something out this off season. 
I don't know what type of adjustments they can make other than maybe getting another head coach. Is Kevin McHale the guy for the job? Like you said, he's really not a – he was in the front office for so long. Now he's out there coaching. Maybe they should look somewhere else for a coach. Maybe they should shake things up. It seems like they have plenty of talent. James Harden is a complete stud. Chandler Parsons is actually one of the more – And they got Terrence Jones from UK. Look at all the UK players in the, in the playoffs this year. How many Louisville players are in the playoffs? One. And that was uh, Garcia with Houston coming off the bench. Yep. Terrence Jones started, right. but hey, that's another story. It is another story. Other, other stories that I think are significant right now. Zach Randolph punched, in game six, Zach Randolph punched Derby Classic veteran or <laughs> alumni Stephen Adams in the face. Man, I mean, talk about screwing it up for your team. I Zach mean, Randolph led the he team lost in scoring. It. He lost it for him. You could say he lost he it did. for him. He was. Then they said the NBA reviewed some tape. They said you're suspended for Game Seven. But you know what? They didn't suspend Paul George for getting off the bench. In Indiana, the Pacers and that little stuff yeah. they had. He got off the bench and said, "You are not supposed to leave the vicinity of the area." Huh. And he got up and he stepped onto the court, and a few of the assistants had to hold him back. It is somewhat and interesting. That was the Game Seven as well, and they didn't suspend him. He, according to the bylaws, he should have been suspended. That wow. Game. I didn't pay much attention to that. They swept that one under the rug. They did. In the, the one seeds, in the higher seeds thus far, despite all the drama, if we're playing the Tim Donahue card and we're suggesting collusion and conspiracy theory type stuff, they're getting their money's worth. The NBA is having record number well, of series going to Game 7. They can't have they're the getting num- those yeah. TV revenue and everything. They can't have the number one team get put out in the they first can't. round. They end That's up having them, them win at the end of the day. The Pacers won. And according to that line of thinking, today at 3.30, two game, two the, game the, the, the Spurs should should beat the Mavericks. Yeah. You, you think the Mavericks have a chance? I'm going for the Mavs, man. I'm pulling for I am too. I'm pulling for the Mavs. Uh, I, like, I, I like the Spurs, but I want to see Dirk get back in the mix again. And also Vince Carter, you know, hit the big game winner. I think it was a game three. But, uh, yeah, I'm liking the Mavericks. I'm a Mark Cuban guy, even though he supports Sterling. <laughs> that but, is an interesting thing. The, yeah. the Doc Rivers is doing a very, in my opinion, a very impressive coach. He should get coach of the year. Because of what he's doing right now. Yes. Amid the Donald Sterling fiasco, and I know all our listeners know all about that, Doc Rivers is able to come through with a big victory in Game 7. And gets a tough, tough Golden State team. And what's the Mark Jackson, he's on the hot seat. You know, what happens if he gets fired and go to State? Wait, you, you think he'll end up in another job? I mean, it, well, here's the scenario I heard. Mark Jackson gets fired from Golden State. Steve Kerr is from the, that area, I think San Diego or something like that. Why wouldn't say? Why wouldn't he look at that team? They're loaded. They're more. They they have more pieces together than the New York Knicks. He has to entertain an offer. Should he sign with the New York Knicks right away, or should he wait to see what happens in Golden State? And then Mark Jackson's the New York guy because he played for the Knicks. Let him swamp. Yeah, I like I like those stories better. He's a New York point guard, too. But you know from, what? From I, don't New know, York. I don't know if he'll buy into the Phil Jackson philosophy. So that's probably a reason why he won't be the head coach of the New York Knicks. The Phil Jackson philosophy and the triangle offense and Tex winners, you know, that's always an interesting thing. The only guy that I can really think is a clear-cut Phil Jackson protege is Kurt Rambis. Who else? Nah. Who else? You tell me, Brian Shaw? Brian Shaw? Sure. Yeah, who's, okay. where's he at, Orlando? Sounds right. No, he, no, no, he's he, at Denver. He already Denver, has sorry. a job. Yeah, he, already ha- he already has a yeah. job. Who else... Is Phil Jackson going to trust to come in and implement a system that nobody uses? Nobody, for whatever reason, it's one ha- 
The only other ten coach, or twelve titles. The only other coach that could have made that happen is right now at the University of Kentucky, and that's uh, John Calipari. You think he could come in and run the, the oh, yeah, triangle? Oh yeah, heck yeah. Okay, but he's too bad he's not available. He's not available, but I mean, maybe he could. I don't. I don't know. I, I won't say that Calipari couldn't. I think he's an underrated X's and O's guys, underrated X's and O's coach. But not many people do come in and embrace. The Tex winners and Phil Jackson triangle offense. Carlo and I are going to head to a break, and we'll be back with more of your weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick and Carlo Kellum are coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon. We're going to have our man Brandon J. Lawrence calling in this last segment. We, we at least hope to hear from Brandon. Correct us on our factual inaccuracies, if we had any. Carlo, you have any predictions for what we may have been factually inaccurate on? Uh, no. Well, the one I caught was the Cowboys. Like I said, he's a Cowboy fan, so I don't want to give him the satisfaction of correcting me on any Cowboy mistakes. So, but we'll see. I'm pretty sure he caught something. I'm sure we'll hear from him uh, regarding who he thinks better, Kevin Garnett or Kevin Love. Kevin Garnett. Wait, I bet. I guarantee. I'll. I'll. I'll bet you he picks Kevin Garnett. Okay. It's tough. The, Kevin Garnett. I'm sorry. Kevin Love is a truly unique player. Nailing threes from the center position, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, he's he's, he's, a, he's a very uh, skilled big guy. I mean, he can he, – 12 rebounds a game. He's, he rebounds and shoots the three. Like I said, he, he'll look great in the Lakers uniform. I mean, he fits that mold. I mean, that, that, that he has Laker written all over him. And if he's smart, that's what he'll do <laughs> once he gets out of his, uh, his last year uh, contract obligation for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You got to get out of there. I believe we have our man Brandon J. Lawrence on the line with us now. How you doing this morning, Brandon? What's up, Kelly? What's up, Carlo? How y'all doing, man? Doing good, man. How was your derby weekend? I, it was cool, man. It was real cool. Uh, you know, went out to the Oaks, had a pretty good time. Uh, saw that fight last night. Great fight. What'd you There's think of the fight? Win by the great technician. I thought it was another great win by the technician, man. I mean. Floyd May, I'm gonna tell you, man. You see, you watch that derby with uh, California Chrome coming down the stretch, and they put the slow mo and everything. And look how beautiful we was coming down the stretch, leading by about six lanes. That's like Floyd Mayweather, man. When they slow that stuff down and put the still frames at the end of the rounds, and just see his technical beauty, man. He's a beautiful fighter to watch, man. I mean, it's just like it's just poetry in motion, man. Do you think no he's? Do you think he seemed to lose a step? He seemed a little bit slower. I mean, it went the distance. Yeah. It wasn't a punishing fight like like he did against Juan Manuel Marquez. Uh, do you think he's losing a step? You know what, man? I mean, I'm gonna tell you. I'll be 40 next week, right? And he's he's 37, and that kid was 30. And it's always in your mind. It's like, can you do it? And if he if he's a little slow, if he gets hit, they were making a big deal about him getting cut. Even though it was a headbutt, saying he never tasted his own blood, I'm like, what are you talking about? But you know, when you're 37, you, I mean, you you got him as a step. But the but the greatness in him is he finds a way to win. 
and he found a way to win last night. So, I mean, that's, you know, I think that makes it even better. Yeah, you I, know, when you're older and you find a way to win. I personally say I don't want to see a rematch of this fight. I want to see him move on, of course, fight Manny Pacquiao, but he just signed a five-year deal with Bob Arum, so I don't know if that'll ever happen. Who's next, in your opinion? Ah, uh, man, I mean, you know, Khan's looking good. I doubt if he fight Khan. Uh, I, I don't, to be honest with you, I'd rather see him not fight anymore, to be <laughs> honest, man, because I'm like, I mean, are we going to see the great, are we going to see the best that he has to offer at, you know, what, in September, which is what, almost a year later, well, not almost, but six, six, uh, six, five months later, I, I don't know who. I mean, I don't know because you guys. I was listening to you guys on the knockout hour. You were throwing out names. I'm gonna tell you, I don't know anybody else besides Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> so you know, in the welterweight division, you know, what? I mean, but who who will he fight that'll satisfy anybody's appetite? And but Manny Pacquiao, you know. Brock Lesnar did end the Undertaker know. streak. Streaks are made to be broken. The under, hey, I, I, I'm predicting this. The Undertaker streak was ended. I predict that Floyd Mayweather streak will be ended this year, 2014. Wow. I, I hope he, I hope he stops fighting. Hey, but you know what? Y'all were talking about that uh, Cincinnati picture. That's an interesting story. Uh, yeah. The guy, what's, what's his last name? Alf- uh, Alfredo Simon. Simon? Okay, this yep. cat, this cat is, Dominic, is a Dominican cat, right? Yes, so sir. in two thousand, huh? Mm-hmm. In, in, in two thousand eleven, he was charged and jailed for involuntary manslaughter. He was acquitted over there in Dominica. So he's no stranger to uh, he's no stranger to uh, legal proceedings. Now this 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 lady that charged him or uh, 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 yeah was accused him of rape, right? Um, you know, it's a typical story. They met in the club. It came went to the went to the infamous Mayflower Motel, which is of course Elliot Spitzer's uh claim to fame. And um so, you know, they said he forced forced himself on her. She waited a couple of days. Though that's where the story gets tricky if she waited or not to report it. And um now the US attorney took it up and they declined to file any they took it to the grand jury, found it I guess there's no true bill, didn't have anything, so now she sues him for fifteen million. This cat hasn't even made fifteen million his whole career. He's only <laughs> set to make one point five this year, I believe. With the Reds, he used to play for the Orioles, but with the Reds, I mean, you know, so it's it's a weird story, man. How real, often, real weird story. I mean, you know, how often is it that a, that a, a situation like this will, out of the gates, be attempted to be settled in a civil court? Instead of a, a what would the difference? What would the other one be? A legal proceeding? I, I don't know the terminology. You're a, you tell me, but I mean, obviously she's looking to get some money. I'm not saying she wasn't raped. That may have happened. Um, but how often is it that, that a, a rape case will be tried civilly before, I guess, the alternative would be criminally? Well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a lower standard. The criminal standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and the, the civil standard is the preponderance of the evidence. So it's a lower standard. Supposedly it's easier to carry uh, for her to carry her burden. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, but she's suing for 15 million. I'm assuming she's suing more than this cat Simon. Maybe she's suing the hotel, maybe his manager who supposedly set the arrangement up. Uh, maybe she's suing the Reds. I don't know. So, uh, 
But it's not unusual. I mean, you got a cat who you think you can get access to deep pockets, then you go ahead and sue him. That's what people do these days. You know what? Everybody's real litigious. Once he gets cleared of all this mess, I will fire my manager for setting this up. (laughs) (laughs) You got a bad. You know, it's. these guys, you know, I, I mean, you see this stuff all the time. These these guys, these guys are walking bankrolls, man. They're, they're walking mini corporations, and people see them as an opportunity. It's, what? it's just a it's a gift and a curse. What happened with, with with just getting knocked up instead of trying to sue them for rape? I mean, <laughs> why they just try to have a baby hey. bound? Why go to these lengths? Hey, brother. Uh, yeah. Better, you know, I don't know. When, when you make your first million, you let me know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Brandon, a- any factual no any factual inaccuracies that we let out earlier when we were talking about the Jerry Dome? No, I mean, you know, uh, you, you, you corrected the dates. Uh, I mean, they hosted, you know, they've hosted a bunch. They've hosted, a, you know, they've hosted everything you can really host. Uh I guess, you know, Super Bowl, Final Four, uh, what else is it to host? Um, you know, you were right about the the big screen they had to raise it up because that punter hit it. And, you know, that's pretty much it, man. It's you know, one of the it's the what is it? I guess the ninth wonder of the world. You missed that part. Nice. Um but <laughs> that's know, about it. You know, Brandon, we 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 only got about well we do it. We have eight minutes left, which actually is a good amount of time. You're our, our resident sure. attorney, Esquire, Brandon J. Lawrence. We would be remiss if we did not ask you about the specifics in your legal take on Adam Silver's ruling that he is now forcing the hand of Donald Silver. I'm sorry, Donald Sterling. Tokowitz. Yeah, Donald Tokowitz. Donald Donald Sterling <laughs> for selling the Los Angeles Clippers due to the, the racist comments that he made and was recorded by his, I guess you call her his mistress or personal assistant. Are they legally able to do that? Well, um, I, I think, I guess, the word is, according to the bylaws in the NBA, uh, you got to have a three-quarter vote to get them up out of there, right? I, I think the bigger question, the bigger issue is, the way they say how litigious Donald Sterling is, that, um, you know, will he let it stand? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can force somebody to sell something. I've never heard of that unless it was, a, you know, maybe a government, some, some government entity involved. But I mean, if he's if he's signed off to the bylaws, and that's what the bylaws say in the, of the NBA, they're their own you know private entity. Um, I, I guess they can do it. I, I guess we have to look and see what the bylaws are. And I guess the better question is going to be that begs the question also. You know, are these guys going to get a three quarter vote? Because you already got Mark Cuban pretty much saying seems like he's not with that because you get down the slippery slope of private conversations leading to um, uh, uh, some type of discipline, you know? He didn't say it in the paper. He said it to his girlfriend. She recorded it, which is illegal in California. You have to have consent of the other party to record it. Um, so you get – it's a bunch of legal wrangling, and, it, and it's going to be a question of whether or not Adam Silver is just, you know, doing something for uh, – what, what, what turns out to be something PR versus something that he can actually uh, carry out. Well, we'll see about that. Sterling's pretty old, so would it would it be? Uh, you think the commissioner is probably hoping he kicks the bucket soon to make this make this an easier process for him? That's 
it's a possibility, man. But you know, these these old guys, these old rich guys, man, they live forever. So I think he's got about twenty more years left in his life. Oh man, was he having rough? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had another twenty years. <laughs> yep. He might, man. Ain't no telling. Staying on the topic of the NBA, Brandon, um, you could argue that the first round of the NBA playoffs thus far has been maybe the greatest, the greatest first round in the history of the NBA. What, what is your take on the playoffs yeah. in this first round? You know what I take. You know what my take is, Kelly. My take is this: all these people that are talking about, you know, one and done is ruining college, is ruining NBA basketball, ruining the product. It's ridiculous. Because look at this. You guys alluded to it earlier. LaMarcus Aldridge, one and done at Texas. Man, this guy is, is a bona fide superstar. Kenny Smith said it. He said the regular season is where you make your name. The playoffs is where you make your fame. Mm-hmm. And these guys, Damian Lillard, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rip City, they're killing it, man. Um, you know, the Clippers. Golden State. I mean, yeah, wow. the losers of these, the losers, John Wall, uh, Bradley Beal, the losers of these series could have easily won these series. That's how that's how good and how even and how much parity that you have in, in, in uh, NBA basketball. Like I think it is, yeah, it's got to be historically, you got to say it's probably one of the greatest uh, playoff series of all time up to this point. I mean, it's just, it's, the competition is just intense every night. You got two game, two more game sevens today. Uh, what Brooklyn and Toronto, San Antonio and Dallas. Who's your picks? Uh, did you see the play with uh, San Antonio got away with having six people on the court the last play? Um, I got, I say San Antonio and Toronto. Toronto over the Jason kids. Wow. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, one more yeah. thing. I know time's running out. Who we were, we were arguing who's better, Kevin Garnett or Kevin Love? No doubt about it, Kevin Garnett. Thank you. Um, Kevin Love. Kevin Love is a great, great player. But, but, but you know what? In the words of uh, Tyson Chandler, he plays no defense. Okay. He don't play any defense. Kevin Garnett's claim to fame. Kevin Garnett was never really a superior scorer. He developed his jump shot, but his claim to fame when he came to the league was defense. Man, tenacious D. I think he's like the he's the other member of Tenacious D. <laughs> As Kevin Love develops his defensive game, he's got that you know he's got that uh what's that the outlet pass down pat. He's you know he can score, he can rebound, he's automatic double double. But if he if he ups his defensive game, he'll be unstoppable, no question. That's a very fair point. You know, Kevin Garnett is one of those guys, maybe even the originator of if a play's dead, whistle's already been blown. In a, uh, as players do, they shoot a jumper just to see if they can make it because they, they've got the ball in their hands. Kevin Garnett is known for, he'll jump up and, and he'll block the jump shot. Uh, he'll goaltend, clearly, just to send the message. Right, Brandon? I mean, he's a, you're right. He's a very intense, maybe an underrated defender throughout his career. So I, I'll accept that argument. Yeah, but I mean, Kevin loves great, too. So, you know, they're both, you know, I mean, he's got a lot of ball left in him. So we'll see. Yet to be determined. Do you think Kevin Love going to the Lakers in a couple years is enough to make the the Lakers job appealing right now? I think so. I mean, you know, because it's a shortage of big, it's a shortage of serviceable big man. I mean, especially in the yeah. I mean, who who do you have? Everybody, who do you have? You got 
you got Love, you got uh, Howard, Gasson's getting up there in age, uh, you got Aldrich. It's not a great, you know, a lot of these big guys are bust, man. Um, you know, Noel's hurt. You don't know what he's going to do. You got, you got Anthony Anthony Davis, of course. He's coming into his own. But the big men, it's it's just, you know, they're not – the NBA's not long on big men. They're more, you know, more six 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 nine guys mm-hmm. than seven-foot guys. Got to cut know? things short here, Brandon. Thank you very much for calling in. Have a great rest of your yeah. weekend. Hey, man, love listening to you guys. Take it easy, man. All right. Once again, that's Brandon J. Lawrence, where J stands for justice. Thank you for tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz today. Been a great show. I encourage everyone to be sure to tune in next Saturday from 9 to 11 and next Sunday from 10 until noon for more of your Weekend Sports Buzz.